Delicious meets nutritious in the snack that packs a real protein punch, wonderful pistachios. Each one-ounce serving of wonderful pistachios has six grams of protein, giving you over 10% of your daily value and making wonderful pistachios one of the highest protein nuts. But perhaps more than that, I love all of the flavors they have. Their sea salt and vinegar ones are my favorite when I'm craving that flavor but want to keep it healthy. But that's just the tip of the iceberg. Wonderful pistachios come in a variety of flavors, like chili roasted, honey roasted, smoky barbecue, and jalapeno lime, perfect for enjoying with family and friends or taking them with you on the go. Whether you're a pistachio purist who loves cracking open every nut or you prefer the convenience of no-shells pistachios, Wonderful Pistachios has got you covered. Grab Wonderful Pistachios and elevate your snacking game today. So fill up with a healthy snack when hunger strikes. Visit wonderfulpistachios.com to learn more. That's wonderfulpistachios.com. Have you ever noticed how a calm mind can really set the stage for a good night's sleep? That's the idea behind our new podcast, Good Sleep. Greg, our host from Optimal Relationships Daily, is here to help ease you into a peaceful night's rest with some positive affirmations. And these affirmations aren't just comforting, they can help ease anxiety and nurture positive thoughts, setting you up for true good sleep. So, press play on good sleep tonight because a good tomorrow starts with a good night's sleep. Just search for good sleep in your podcast app and be sure to pick the one from Optimal Living Daily. This is Optimal Health Daily, episode 1490. Which carbs are best? This info will save your gains by Eric Leia of ericlea.com. And I'm Dr. Neil, your host and narrator. Hey there, happy Thursday and welcome back to Optimal Health Daily or OHD, where I read to you from some of the most popular health and fitness blogs online. And always with a bit of my commentary at the end. Now don't forget, we share tips and tricks, photos, worksheets, and lots more for free on our weekly newsletter mailing list. Just come by oldpodcast.com to join. But with that, let's get right to today's post and start optimizing your life. Which carbs are best? This info will save your gains by Eric Leia of ericlea.com. White potatoes or sweet potatoes? White rice or brown rice? Gluten a go or no? Keto or moderate carbs? As you can see, navigating the land of carbs can seem complicated, but it truly doesn't have to be. Here, we'll dive into the carb storm and get to the truth of one of the most important macronutrients for your performance and gains. Yep, I said it. Carbohydrates, why they're not evil. To preface, There are no denying diets like the keto diet or AIP diet or other diets for autoimmune conditions that hold a beneficial place in the diet world. These types of diets that eliminate entire food groups for a specific purpose and a specific amount of time are great for healing certain conditions or cutting weight quickly or even to manage a food intolerance. However, there's also no getting around the fact that glucose from carbs is the preferred fuel source of your body and brain. When given the choice between using fat or carbs for energy, your cells will opt for the carbs. We also recognize that just because your body can technically get by on no carbs by burning fat, this doesn't necessarily mean that running on no carbs is your body's optimal state 24-7. In fact, unless you're dealing with blood sugar or other issues that require a low-carb diet intervention, 
you may actually be limiting your gains and performance by completely cutting carbs for an extended period of time. This is especially true if you're an athlete or working out heavily most of the week. Let's take a look at why. Carbs are your preferred energy source. Your body derives energy in the form of ATP from glucose to fuel activities. This is especially true during high-intensity workouts where fast energy is needed to fuel muscle firing. To understand this, it helps to understand a little bit about our energy pathways. At any given time, your body is never burning just carbs or just fats. It simply adjusts the ratio of which one it's burning more of depending upon which energy pathway you're using. For instance, when you're sitting or even going on a slow walk or doing daily activities, you're using your aerobic system and burning mostly fatty acids for energy. However, if you decide to do sprints or an intense flow, you'll be activating your anaerobic system, which naturally reaches for more carbs to produce ATP rather than fats. The thing is, your body stores very limited amounts of readily available glucose. If not replenished, your stores become depleted and your body has to make the shift to using fat for fuel. There's nothing wrong with this per se, but if you're an athlete and have ever felt the feeling of hitting a wall during training, this is probably one of the reasons why. Fat can be used as fuel, but the energy supply isn't as quick when intensity is required, especially when that intensity involves fast action muscle fibers, like during high intensity interval training. The key takeaway here is that if you're looking to improve performance, endurance, response time, etc., cutting carbs may slow the process because the process of using fat for fuel can take longer than using the glucose pathway. Won't carbs jack up insulin and promote fat storage? One of the biggest contentions surrounding carbs is the fact that yes, they do spike insulin levels and yes, that can lead to fat storage. However, and this is a big one however, this highly depends on the type of carbs you're eating, how many you eat in one meal, what you're eating them with, and your training level. Carbs from whole food sources that have all of their fiber and nutrients intact typically have a pretty low glycemic index, meaning they cause a minimal insulin spike. This is minimized even more when eaten with a protein or fat which slows the release of glucose into your bloodstream and thus reduces your insulin spike. Processed carbs not coming from whole foods have their fiber removed, leaving only pure sugars that rapidly enter your bloodstream and spike insulin to high levels. If this happens repeatedly, your body will attempt to store the excess glucose as fat to remove it from your bloodstream to save you from the damaging effects of high blood sugar. The key with this is that your body, when healthy with no insulin issues, will convert glucose to fat only when there is too much glucose coming in too quickly and only when muscle and liver stores of glucose or glycogen are full. When you consume moderate amounts of whole food carbs as fuel for your muscles and activity, they will be released slowly and be taken up by your muscles and liver to be stored for your next activity, which is a good thing because it fuels performance. We get into trouble with carbs when we eat them in processed form and eat above and beyond our training needs. So, how many and what type of carbs should you consume? Obviously, not everyone's need for carbs will be the same. The number of carbs you need to consume on a daily basis doing an hour workout five days a week will be totally different than someone else training six to seven days a week, several hours a day for a competition or a match. Other people may also not respond as well from an insulin standpoint and require or thrive on fewer carbs overall. 
The point is that you should tinker with whole, real food carb sources to determine your ideal amounts. Perhaps eating a whole sweet potato a day is too much for you, and instead, eating a banana with breakfast feels better and you start to see gains. Just because the sweet potato isn't working for you specifically, doesn't mean it's time to banish carbs altogether. You may also be able to reduce carbs a little more if your training schedule has slowed down, or you wanna lean out a little more quickly than normal. Again, it all depends on your goals. And if you do decide to drop carbs for whatever reason, a carb cycling approach where you reduce carbs for a specific period of time, then refeed by eating more carbs for a few days or a week, may be a better approach than say, forcing yourself into keto for several months. So here's a strategy. Experiment with different carb amounts and different types. Just keep them in whole form. Be sure to only eat a serving at a time combined with healthy fat and protein. You may wanna think about reducing some chips, some white flours, white pastas, white rice, white breads, cookies, some granola bars, and, well, basically, things that come from a package. You might wanna instead focus on sweet potatoes, beets, carrots, squash, juca, parsnips, berries, quinoa, and eat them with a serving of protein and healthy fat. The Dulce Diet, carbs made simple. When in balance, your body thrives on all the macronutrients, fats, proteins, and carbs. This is why I love the Dulce Diet, because it includes each of your macros from whole, real food sources. If we avoid a food group, such as dairy or certain grains, it might be because they contain unnatural, hormones or artificial chemicals. Instead, the focus is on the quality and quantity of whole food sources of carbs your body needs and craves, instead of the artificial kind that encourages fat storage. Think sweet potatoes and squash versus white breads and white pasta made with processed flours. These carbs are then balanced with plenty of protein and healthy fats to minimize their glycemic impact so that instead of storing them as fat, we use them as fuel for gains. You just listened to the post titled, Which Carbs Are Best? This Info Will Save Your Gains by Eric Leia of ericleia.com. Dr. Neil here for my commentary. Now I promise, I can't make this stuff up. Just two days ago, I was lecturing to my students about the health benefits of consuming whole grains. I actually spent a lot of time discussing it because I know that the low-carb movement, the keto movement, paleo, these are all still very popular and it usually takes a little bit more convincing for students to be on the same page as me. And one of the things I presented to them regarding the benefits of whole grains specifically was the fact that many whole grains contain something called betaine or betaein. This compound helps metabolize or process homocysteine. All right, so those are a lot of fancy words. Let me try and summarize this for you. Homocysteine is a protein we find in the blood. Everyone has it, but some of us have high levels of this protein, homocysteine, in the blood. And if we have high levels of homocysteine, it might then be triggering even more inflammation in the body. Now, betaine or beta-ion found in whole grains helps to metabolize or process homocysteine, meaning betaine helps our bodies get rid of this inflammatory marker, homocysteine. And so it's possible that whole grains, because they contain betaine, may help reduce systemic inflammation by helping the body get rid of homocysteine. Now, when we refine our grains, we lose about half of that betaine or betaine. 
And when we look at other large studies, I actually saw a meta-analysis recently where it's basically looking at other published studies, pooling them together, and then doing a giant analysis on those. And what we're finding is whole grain consumption is correlated or is connected with lower rates of cardiovascular disease and death from cardiovascular disease. So again, it may not be necessary to completely avoid all carbohydrates, but just be a little bit more selective about the types. Specifically, if you can, consume whole grains most often. All right, that'll do it for today. I hope you have a wonderful rest of your day and I'll see you back here tomorrow for our usual Friday Q&A and where your optimal life awaits.